Here's the thing about Brock Purdy, I think everyone has beaten him up. You have to understand, he's played less than a full year at quarterback. And so everyone is beginning to kind of figure out what he can do, and they're changing the tactics that he's facing. What he has to do now is counter the counters. We will get a chance to see how great Brock Purdy is by if he can answer what people are doing to him now. Hey now, what's going on? Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast, episode 287, where my guest this week had a five-year NFL career after he was selected in the second round of the 1994 NFL Draft. I know you're familiar with his work with NFL Network and NFL.com, where he hosts the Move the Sticks podcast with one of my favorite guys ever, Daniel Jeremiah. You know who I'm talking about, Bucky Brooks. Bucky played in the league. He still coaches high school ball, and he can break down both pro and college games like very few can, which is why I have a ton to get to, and I'm ready to cover with him in this conversation. However, one quick disclaimer. We did record the conversation before Josh McDaniels was fired by the Raiders. Luckily, what Bucky had to say about the Raiders said a lot about why Josh McDaniels got fired only a few hours after we recorded this chat. So with that in mind, let's just get right to it. It's episode 287 with NFL Network analyst Bucky Brooks, and it's coming at you right now. Bucky, I know how busy you are, so I really appreciate you making time for our side hustle. What's going on? How are you? Man, everything is good. Uh, how's everything with you? Good, good. Everything's great. And especially this time of year, I really appreciate you making time for it. So why don't we jump right into it? Thanks for making time for the side hustle. So, Bucky, what I'd love to do is get a few of your thoughts on a couple of moves that were made prior to the trade deadline. The Niners, for instance, who have struggled defensively of late, sent a third rounder to Washington for Chase Young, who was the former second pick overall. What do you make of that deal? I think it's a great deal. I think it's a, a, a huge steal for the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason why it's such a great deal for them is this is a team that is really built on their defensive line. And so when you think about what they already have, you have Nick Bosa in place. You have Eric Armstead. They made a trade a couple of weeks ago to get uh, Randy Gregory. And so this is a team that that kind of knows who they are, right? They, they know that they're built about being up front. They know that if they – get the right pieces in place, they're going to be able to dominate at the line of scrimmage. And when they dominate at the line of scrimmage, the defense plays better. And so this is a move made with an eye towards what's going on in Philadelphia. These two teams have kind of been playing an arms race because inevitably they're going to meet in the postseason. And the team with the most weapons is going to be the one who wins. As it relates to Chase Young specifically, Chase Young is a talented player. Chase Young played with Nick Bosa, obviously, at Ohio State. Um you're talking about a number two overall pick, a player with a, a special pedigree. He just hasn't played consistently during his time in the league. Chris Kasarik, the defensive line coach from the Niners, many will tell you he's the best guy in the business when it comes to getting the most out of the players. He has a way of kind of getting them to play at a higher level. He's hard-nosed, he's gritty, he's tough, and he's going to demand that Chase Young brings the effort. When you combine the effort with his natural talent, he could play at a, I mean, he could play at a high level. And being able to have him with Bosa and the other guys on that front line, that's a scary thought for the rest of the teams in the NFC. All right, so I couldn't agree with you anymore. And I think that's a really interesting point, Pucky, you made about Philadelphia, that they really are engaged in an arms race. I thought that Howie Roseman made another brilliant move in getting Kevin Byard from Tennessee, but he did so for a reason, right? How concerned are you about that Philadelphia defense, especially after Sam Howell had it his way with them? 
I mean, I think you have to be concerned because this is a team that's also playing in a new scheme. Remember, Jonathan Gannon was the coordinator a year ago. He gets the job at Arizona. Sign Desai takes over as a D coordinator. And they're still trying to figure out like who they are and what they're about and how uh, he matches his scheme to the personnel and those things. Kevin Byer gives them kind of like the elder statesman in the, in the defensive back room, someone who can kind of calm it down, handle all the communication, make sure that everyone is on the same page. He's not the player that once was, but he's still a very effective ball hawk when he has his chances. He kind of just gives them the veteran presence that they needed because they lost C.J. Garner-Johnson a year ago, and they needed someone that could fill that void. So, Bucky, what about, moving along, what about the Vikings? They lose Kirk Cousins, which was, you never want to see anybody get hurt, but he was playing some of his best ball of all. They got to 4-4, four and four, but he tears his Achilles. He's out for the year. They make a deal for Arizona quarterback Joshua Dobbs. Do you like that deal for the Vikes? Yeah, look, Josh Dobbs, give him credit, man. He's having to learn three different offenses in, like, since training camp. He had started with the Browns, goes to the Cardinals, gets up to speed with there, has some success leading that offense, and now he's with the Minnesota Vikings. This is a nice move because you just wonder, what were the uh, Minnesota Vikings going to do post-Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins isn't available. They were playing at a, at a point where they could get into the postseason. Well, Josh Dobbs played well. I think he exceeded everybody's expectation. Now Kevin O'Connell has a veteran that he can work with, that he can kind of build an offense around. Not saying that he's a high-end player, but he's certainly been good enough to be a serviceable winning quarterback. Now, if they get solid play from him on offense and then they continue to get the kind of play they're getting on defense, this team could end up being the seventh seed in the NFC. All right, so Bucky, like big picture, after eight weeks of the regular season, the way you see it, has any one team separated itself from the pack? Like as of today, who are the ones to beat? Look, I think it's the usual suspects. Um, uh, Kansas City's in the conversation. Uh, Philadelphia's in the conversation. The San Francisco 49ers will be in the conversation. Miami Dolphins can be in that conversation, but they need to win this weekend against the Chiefs because this schedule has done them a ton of favors in terms of like they've knocked off the lightweights, but they haven't really gone toe-to-toe with the heavyweights. Uh, but right now, I think, man, that, that that's kind of it. You think about the San Francisco 49ers, um, you think about the Eagles and the NFC, and then it's Kansas City, and then the field in the AFC because the field is wide open because of the quarterback play. You know, you made the point that I was going to make about Miami. They've looked really good against the teams they're supposed to look good against, not so good against a higher-level competition. What about the 6-2 and two Ravens? Can you make an argument for them? I think you can make an argument for them. They've kind of done it in a, a, a kind of unique fashion. Some some weeks it's the defense. Other weeks it's been the offense. You're still trying to put it together. Todd Munkin putting together the system around uh, Lamar Jackson. We've seen good and bad from that. The thing to me about the Ravens is you saw Odell Beckham Jr. get a little frustrated on the sideline. Do they have the ability to keep everybody happy when the ball doesn't go in their direction? The only thing that can kind of derail the Ravens' hopes will be the internal stuff, like meaning people chasing stats over the team's success, those things. Can they keep all of that together where everyone is kind of sacrificing and not necessarily worried about the individual stat line. Hey, Bucky, speaking of wide receivers who were unhappy, you saw Devontae Adams on Monday night, man. He was really unhappy and really understandably so. What do you think is going through that dude's mind right now? Well, a couple of things. He he went to the Raiders because he wanted to play with his childhood friend, his best friend, Derek Carr. He plays with them for a year, then they ship his best friend out. Uh, that makes you feel a certain type of way because you, you basically made the commitment to come over because of someone that was playing quarterback. So they dump Derek Carr, they bring over Jimmy Garoppolo, and it hasn't been the same in terms of Devontae uh, Adams being the number one 
playmaker on, on offense. He's not getting the ball enough. He doesn't seem to be very heavily involved in the game plan. And so there's a level of frustration. We saw that frustration boil over uh, on the sideline on Monday night. Josh McDaniels has to figure out how to wait, how to make Devontae Adams a, like a viable option each and every week. And he has to be a little more creative with his schemes and tactics to make sure the 17 gets enough isolations and enough uh, balls flying in his direction. Yeah, Bucky, what about that? Like, we can debate whether or not Josh McDaniels is head coaching material. I mean, I'll be straight. When they hired him, mm-hmm. I thought maybe he might not have been ready the first time with Denver, but I thought that he had paid his dues and earned that second shot. I mean, <laughs> I was behind that. But nobody can doubt that he's got pedigree as an offensive mind. Why is he having so much trouble getting the ball to Devontae? Don't really know, man. It, it, look, it, it shouldn't be hard. There should be some easy one-on-one route concepts that they're able to kind of utilize to take advantage of um, Adams' route running prowess, his overall ability. They haven't been able to do that. They haven't moved him around enough. They haven't made, a, I would say, a very intentional effort to make him the photo point of the offense so he can get the balls and the touches and all those things he needs to kind of play at a high level. It's kind of weird. And sometimes it just happens. Uh, sometimes, um, and I'm not saying that Josh McDaniels is an egomaniac, but sometimes many people value their system over the player. In the league, in the National Football League, it's about players over system. You get the best players. You allow them to do their thing. They find a way to win you games. Uh, Josh McDaniels has to figure out a way to put Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs in the best situation so they can have the biggest impact. Hey there. Let me talk to you for a minute about HelloFresh. HelloFresh is where you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your front door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, a crazy schedule can make it easy to fall back into your dinnertime recipe rut. Keep mealtime exciting with over 40 recipes to choose from every single week, so there is always something delicious to discover with HelloFresh. And with so many in-season ingredients, you'll taste all the freshness of fall in every single bite of HelloFresh's chef-crafted recipes. Produce travels from the farm to your door for peak ripeness that you can taste. Given my schedule, I absolutely love HelloFresh. I love how fresh it is. I love the options it gives me. And I know that I'm eating well and it tastes incredible. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome and use the code 50Rome for 50% off plus free shipping. Once again, HelloFresh.com slash 50Rome. Use that code 50Rome and get 50% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh is awesome. In fact, HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Players over system. So, Buck, you played for, among others, the Buffalo Bills. You understand what, what that franchise is like. You understand the Bills Mafia as well as anybody. I spoke to Micah Hyde this week, and I was asking him how he felt about the team. And, you know, Micah, being the pro that he is, said pretty much what you would expect him to say. They got right last week. They're back on the right path. They got to do the right things, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What do you make of the Bills? We know they're banged up. We know they've got playmakers who are banged up. Do you feel like this is a team that can get right and make another deep run, or maybe is that window really slamming shut? Uh, I think a lot of it depends on what Josh Allen does. Uh, the Buffalo Bills will go as far as Josh Allen can take him as a one-man show. Uh, this is a team that doesn't have the same amount of talent that they had in previous years. Uh, defections, free agency, time has kind of caught up with them, and they need to really have Josh Allen play at an MVP level to be able to win at the highest level. 
That means him running around, making plays as a runner, him throwing over the top of the defense as a thrower. You have to kind of unleash the Josh Allen experience and see um, how it pans out. And I know there's some trepidation whenever you pay Allen what you paid and you're kind of trying to protect him. I just don't think he can play any other way. You kind of kind of let it rip and uh, just hope that it all turns out in your favor when it comes to his health and availability. Bucky, do you think they miss Brian Dable? Do you think they can? And what kind of a job do you think Ken Dorsey is doing calling plays? Oh, they absolutely miss Dayball. Dayball unlocked Josh Allen. It took him a while, but he figured out what Josh Allen can do really well. And then he just kept recycling it. That's kind of like part of his recipe. Um, and so for Brian Dayball, Brian Dayball gave the Bills offense like that spark that they needed because he was a great tactician and play caller. They're missing that. Ken Dorsey's still learning on the job. And even though he is, you know, he's a former quarterback, he's been in the league for a long time, still different when it's your show. Um, yeah, if you're going to ask me, like, who's a better coordinator and play caller between Dayball and uh, Dorsey, I'm going to go with Dayball. But you got to be patient with Ken Dorsey as he's trying to figure out what he can do to satisfy his quarterback with all the players around him. Takes a lot to figure out all the moving pieces that are in Buffalo. All right, so Bucky, because there is no offseason when it comes to preparing for the NFL draft, maybe we could take a little bit of time and talk about the best in class when it comes to quarterbacks in the college game. Like, for instance, USC's Caleb Williams is not going to win a second straight Heisman, but certainly the Trojan defense has not done him any favors. Do you see him, for instance, as a can't-miss generational talent who's going to succeed wherever he lands? No, I think the overall majority of quarterbacks are system quarterbacks. Only 15% of them are guys that you could drop anywhere and have immediate success. I think it's important for Caleb Williams that he lands in the right environment. He plays in the right system that kind of, I would say, enhances his, his skills as a dual threat playmaker. Uh, but really fit is everything. How he fits with the coaching staff, how he fits into the, the game plan or the playbook they want to utilize, and what weapons are around him, that matters a lot. And I think it matters for Caleb Williams, even though uh, some would say he is the, the clear number choice, number one choice at the position. Um, I think he still needs that supporting cast to come through for him to play at his best. Interesting. So, Bucky, about that 15%, is there anybody playing right now that's coming out that would fit into or fall into that 15% you're talking about? Uh, no, I, th- I think, look, Caleb Williams is a guy who can kind of play off the script and, and do some of those things, but you don't want to live off the script. It's one of the beauties of what Pat Mahomes has been able to do is he can play off the script, and he spent most of his time in college playing off the script, but he's learned how to be a more calculated uh, scrambler, uh, runner, when to buy time, when he needs to stick to the system. Uh, It takes time. It takes experience to kind of have that level of expertise when it comes to playing the position. And so I would say Kayla Williams is maybe the closest to being able to do that. But I would say, you know, Drake May from North Carolina isn't too far behind because there are going to be some people that value him more than Williams when we get to the evaluation part. All right, so, I mean, you're a proud North Carolina alum, but you mentioned Drake May. Does his skill set contain pretty much everything you would look for in any elite pro quarterback? Uh, he's a prototype. He's a prototype that's played in the league for a long time. 6'3", six, 6'4", six, uh, can spin it from the pocket, uh, has the IQ and instincts and awareness to kind of play the game on schedule, but also has the athleticism to play the game off schedule. And when you look at just how he carries himself, he carries himself and what I call the the, the regalness of the presidency, <laughs> the way he carries himself, the way he relates with everyone in the building. He's a yes sir, no sir kid. Dad, brothers played high level college sports. Luke is over playing overseas, so he knows what it's like to be on the big stage. Uh, some people are gonna find comfort in that, and so 
the conversation will shift towards Caleb Williams versus Drake May somewhere during the pre-draft process. And I think we're going to be surprised at how many people may opt and opt for or favor Drake May when it comes to that evaluation. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? All right, so out of respect for your time, I'm going to pick my spots. What about Michael Penix Jr.? He, Where does he fit in that conversation? Look, he's talented. I think he's a first-round talent. Uh, he's played really well uh, whenever he's linked up with his, his, his old coach at Indiana DeBoard back at, at UW. You've seen his game explode. He has a maturity about him that you like in talking to him. Um, this is not new to him in terms of like handling the press, handling kind of being the focal point of a program. The big thing is he's continued to improve leaps and bounds as a passer and playmaker. He's going to have plenty of opportunities on big stages to kind of cement his case for being top 10, top 15, first-round pick. Um, he's played really well at, at UW, and there are a lot of people really excited about his chances of having a ton of success as a pro. So one more guy. What about Bo Nix? How do you think he projects? Man, Bo Nix has really benefited from being around. Uh, I think I looked at the graphic in the last game at 56 or 57 starts, most in NCAA history. Well, that experience can turn into a level of expertise. And as everyone is beginning to chase kind of the Brock Purdy thing, right? Not necessarily the late round quarterback, but who's the quarterback that could surprise? Bo Nix could fall into that just based on the number of starts. When you look at the number of starts that uh, Brock Purdy had at Iowa State, I think it was 47. Those starts, those reps, those many pass attempts allowed him to hit the ground running when he got to San Francisco. Bo Nix might have a similar argument. And the fact that he's played better at Oregon after the struggles at Auburn, there are a lot of people that are going to like the grit, the resilience, the toughness that he's displayed. Hey, Bucky, where do you come out on Brock Purdy? Like when they were 5-0, and everything was great, and they were the ones to beat, and then all of a sudden they lose a couple of tough games, and now people are jumping ship. I mean, ultimately, I don't, I don't think that your opinion of him fundamentally is going to change based on those games, right? Like where do you come out on Brock Purdy? No, look, I, th I think he's solid, but he's like the 85% that we've talked about in the league, and I'm not just talking about quarterbacks. Like everybody needs a system that kind of plays to their strengths as a player. He benefits from playing in a system – with a play caller that is a terrific play caller, knows how to can put the defense in conflict. And then he has a talented, maybe the most talented supporting cast in football. Um, and, 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 and so when you just kind of look or look around and, and, and look at some of these things, just, you know, it's exactly how you want it to play out. And so I think, look, it's an exciting time 
uh, to think about the quarterback class. I, I love the point that you make that this applies to every position and the league, system and fit, system and fit. It's so important. Like when you played in the NFL, who was a guy or two that you played with that was in that 15% that you knew that no matter where they were, they were going to dominate, they were going to thrive? Uh, I would say like having the opportunity to play with Brett Favre, uh, playing with Brett Favre during his time in Green Bay. I was in Green Bay for parts of 95, 96, 97. He won three straight MVPs. And it was a magic to his game that you knew no matter what, if you got him the ball, he was going to find a way to get it done. There are only a handful of players on the planet that have that kind of ability where it doesn't matter what you do, they can kind of figure it out. I would say uh, defensively playing with a guy like Charles Woodson, didn't matter what you did, what you asked him to do, he could do everything, any scheme, zone, man, whatever. There are only a handful of guys who can do it. And so that's why when we talk about elite it's really important to really be a hard graded when it comes to who we deem as elite and who we deem as very, very good because there are differences and there are levels to it. Like Dion talks about different levels in the Hall of Fame. There are different levels to that level of elite uh, when it comes to those great players. Um, last thing, because going back like about Brock Purdy, yeah. I, I forgot to mention. Here's the thing about Brock Purdy. I think everyone is beating him up. You have to understand, he's played less than a full year at quarterback. And so everyone is beginning to kind of figure out what he can do, and they're changing the tactics that he's facing. What he has to do now is counter the counters. The difference between the good and the great quarterbacks, they have answers to those questions that come up later when people kind of figure them out. We will get a chance to see how great Brock Purdy is by if he can answer what people are doing to him now. Uh, then you'll know he can be the franchise guy for the Niners going forward. So do you think that he will? Will he be able to adjust to those adjusting to him? Yeah, I think he will because I think the talent the, the talent around him will allow him to go to different pitches. You know, he'll be able to do different things. But what he also has to do is he has to quit listening to the noise because it's tempting because all we do on our side is we 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 kind of like poke holes and say like, hey, is he great? He's this. He hasn't shown this. He has to show us this. He has to resist the urge and the temptation to do that and just kind of play his game. He's made some mistakes the last few weeks that we hadn't seen because he's pressing the issue. And I wonder if sometimes that white noise around him, is he elite? Is he a franchise guy? What should the Niners do? Is he trying to prove to the critics, hey, I can do all these things, as opposed to just kind of playing the game within himself? He stays kind of within his boundaries of what his limitations are. He is always going to play at a high level. He just has to make sure that he doesn't try to do too much, trying to prove to people that he can do this stuff, as opposed to just kind of playing the game the way the game should be played. U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. Bucky, before you go, this point that you made about the noise, I think that you're a perfect guy to ask this question of because you played in the NFL, you were a scout, you've been in the media now for a long, long time, you're also a charter high school coach. I mean, you've seen every side of the game, and the noise is getting louder and louder. And I know this because I'm seeing guys 
that are getting hooked that should not respond to the noise. I see Dabo Sweeney just eviscerating some car to his radio show. Like, you want to talk about punching down. Like, dude, how do you how do you tell your players, ignore the noise, ignore the noise, and then get hooked by some random on your own radio program? My, my question is, what would you tell players, college, high school, or even pro, to do with the noise? Look, it's really hard, man, because Jim – uh, people, fans have more access to players than they've ever had. Right. All it takes is tweeting, threading, whatever social media vehicle do you want to use to have direct access to players. And so they feel a tremendous amount of pressure because no matter what, these players, this generation, they grew up where you play, you go right to your phone and you look for that instant validation or confirmation from outsiders that you don't know. And so there are a lot of people that kind of rent space in your head and you have to block that out. With Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban and these guys respond, they're letting you know they hear and see everything. Um, it takes a level of maturity. It takes some composure to be able to handle all those things. Like even I, as a high school coach, like I hear all the noise in the stands where people are talking because everyone has an opinion. And so what Dabo and coaches and players have to do, don't respond or don't allow people to give you feedback if they haven't done the stuff that you've done. If they haven't kind of gone to war and endured some of the battles that you've done, you can't really give them the credence and the respect like they know what's going on. You have to kind of be above it, but you also have to be classy with it because once they see that you're engaged, oh, you're going to get all of it from here on out. And so it'd be interesting to see how Dabo handles it because they obviously can see that it's kind of hit a nerve. He has to be above it and he has to kind of watch himself because it's only going to continue to escalate as his team continues to struggle. That was my take. I'm so glad to hear you say that because, like I said, he punched down. The trolls win. Once you acknowledge them, and especially you name-check them, and you they find out they're under your skin, they're in your head, man, that's a win for them. That's a big day for that rando, whoever the hell he was, because we didn't know who the hell he was until this went down. I mean, Dabo, he's got to be above that. So leave me with this thought, Bucky. The fact that you are the coach at Ground Hills Charter High School here in Southern California, as I mentioned, you've done everything in the game for those who don't know, how did that opportunity come to be, and what's the experience been like for you? Uh, it's been great. I've always wanted to be a high school coach since I was, man, like 19 years old. Uh, I felt like high school coaching, uh, particularly because I played for a great high school coach in high school, Earl Smith at Raleigh Millbrook. And he just inspired me not only as a football player, but as a man to be like a good person, to be involved in the community. And so I always thought like as a player, the best way to pay it forward is to give back. And so for me, I spent 10 years coaching at Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks, under great coach and Kevin Rooney, who won over 300 games. I wanted to take some of the lessons that I learned from football along the way, all the great coaches that I had in college, Mac Brown and the pros, um, and see if I could kind of build something at the high school level. And so it's been great. Um, look, man, the, the winning is a byproduct of just kind of being around good kids and those things. And so as we kick off the playoffs uh, in a couple of weeks, um, we we'll get a chance to see what it looks like, but it's been a ton of fun. Uh, the success has been great, but it's really the, the young kids that you kind of see had those aha moments on the field and you see a bunch of look, guys come through your doors who go on to do great things when they leave. That's awesome. And good for you. Good luck with that. One thought, you mentioned Mac Brown. I love Mac Brown. Mac Brown has always been one of my favorites because you played ball for him in college. What were your years like playing with him in Chapel Hill before I let you go? Uh, so I played for him from 89 to 1994. I was in his second recruiting class at North Carolina the first time around. And what I'll tell you is, is Ron, when people look at his record, I want them to understand that his first two years at North Carolina, he was two and 20. 
uh, the first year before I got there, they were one in 10. My freshman year, they were one in 10. And so to see him have this level of success speaks volumes about his resilience, but also the way that he has done it and the young people that he's touched along the way. He is a guy that if I text him right now, he will get back to me with by the end of the day with whatever you need. And so what I learned from him is just the class, the consideration, just doing it the right way by your players. If you do that, you'll have a lot of success. And so I'm excited that he's back in North Carolina. Look, they've had a couple of hiccups, but he's done a great job uh, in terms of just building up young people and then having a lot of success between the lines. Yeah, I tell you what, as a middle-aged guy, he inspires me so much. I love him. I love his energy. I love his mindset. I love the way he goes about it. I love his passion. It's all good. Bucky, you man, went way beyond coming on the side hustle today. I really appreciate you stretching out and going long for him. That was an absolute blast. I appreciate the relationship. And thank you so much for that, Bucky. That was awesome. Hey, thanks so much, Jim. I love being on it. Obviously, few dudes can talk ball at all levels like this guy can talk ball at all levels. He is always prepped up, always a total pro, and always brings perspective that not very many people have. So my thanks to Bucky for bringing that perspective to the original side hustle and making the extra time to stretch out for us. Conversations like that one are what this pod is all about. Chances to stretch out and dig deeper into some really interesting perspectives. And of course, if you're interested in more where that came from, we have 286 other eps already locked and loaded in the bank. So give any of them a spin because they all hold up. And and if you have a moment, can you take a second and hit subscribe? That way you will be the first to know whenever a new episode does go live. Thank you very much in advance for that. Have a tremendous week, and I'll see you next time right here for episode 288 on the Jim Rohn Podcast.